Listening to All Things From My Brain, the new podcast from the New Universe. For more information about the author, or to check out show notes and links, or to send us feedback, please visit the blog.thenewuniverse.com. Hello and welcome to episode six of the All Things From My Brain podcast. I am Patrick Hester, author, blogger, functional nerd, tech junkie, gamer, and Twitter junkie. I want to thank you for once again joining me for this little slice of madness that I like to call all things from my brain. That's both this podcast and my blog in which I discuss all the little things that distract me throughout the week. Uh, All the minutiae, all the little tidbits. Really anything at all that I may have found interesting, you know, during the week. So for those of you who like a little bit more structure, I do offer you something that uh, you can think of as a category list. Um, this helps you uh, to you know figure out what it is I'm going to talk about here every week. I will cover such diverse and varied topics as sci-fi and fantasy stuff, which could be anything, uh, technology, web life, video games, books, novels, movies, television, music, and my own original sci-fi and fantasy writing adventures. Um, now, that's not to say that I'm going to cover all of those topics every week. Um, you know, I pick and choose. So, so there. Having said all of that, uh, I invite you to kick back for the next hour or so, sipping your favorite beverage of choice. I have a tall glass of Southern-style sweet tea. Um, So there. Uh, Snack on your favorite mungeable item. I just had a Twinkie. Haven't had a Twinkie in forever, and I had a Twinkie. So um, I suggest a Twinkie because it's on my mind right now. Don't get a Twonkie. You definitely want a Twinkie. Okay, don't 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 skimp. I mean, come on. It's it's like thirty cents. Don't don't get the cheap version. <clears throat> get the Twinkie. Anyway, um, grab something and uh, you know join me on this journey as uh, I discuss the things that caught my eye and made me think this past week. Sometimes the podcast will be a little bit longer. Sometimes it'll be a little bit shorter. It all depends on what distracted me during the week and what I feel like talking about. And to tell you the truth. Even I, the creator of this thing, have no idea how long it's going to be or what I'm going to talk about really, you know, until the day I sit down to record this. Having said that, I will clue you in to the fact that I have been ill this past week. I have not been feeling well. So I am not on top of things as I, I like to be. So I guarantee you this is going to be a, a little bit of a shorter podcast than, than normal. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, as I'm going through here. But I, I wanted to give you a fair warning ahead of time. This could be a little bit shorter. So first up this week, I want to talk about technology news. Okay. Last week, I talked about the Palm Pre and how with the 8.2.1 update to iTunes, uh, the ability of the Palm Pre to sync with iTunes was killed by Apple. 
Um, Apple took the high road a little bit, I guess, saying that they, they, you know, hey, it's not their fault. They really don't offer any support for non-Apple devices to be able to sync with iTunes. So, you know, oh, well, you're, you're SOL. Um, Palm didn't say anything at the time, but they decided they weren't going to let it stay there. <clears throat> you know, it's a big feature that they're, they're touting. And so uh, they came back this week uh, with a re-enabled sync functionality for, for the Palm Pre and iTunes. I'm reading an article, and uh, here I'm quoting. The release of Palm's Web OS 1.1 adds new features for enterprise users, like the ability to remotely wipe data stored on a lost phone. But the most important features for consumers may be the restoration of the Palm Media Sync feature, which lets the pre connect and sync DRM-free music files with iTunes. Quote, oh, and one more thing. That's right. You once again can have seamless access to your music, photos, and videos from the current version of iTunes 8.2.1, said John Trainer, Vice President of Business Products. Um, he wrote that on his uh, on the Palm blog on Thursday. So, what does this mean? Oh, it's on now. <clears throat> I expect Apple to make another change soon, um, disabling the sync once again. Uh, as another article points out that I was looking at, uh, if, if Apple lets this go... They're basically opening up a legal can of worms. Quoting again, If Apple doesn't take a concrete step to stop Palm, it is also tacitly inviting other companies to do what Palm has done by emulating the iTunes player capability. Even though there are other media players on the market, iTunes is a highly successful and syncing... Wait, is is a... No, is highly successful, and syncing with iTunes is probably considered lucrative to Palm. Then he added, if Palm gets, this is a, an industry guy, analyst kind of guy. If Palm gets away with it, it invites others. True. Um, so it basically comes down to losing a little bit of control on a slice of the pie. Neither of which I see Apple doing anytime soon. So I don't think Apple will let this stand. I think they're going to make a change to iTunes. Again, we'll all see one you know, come up here really quick. Um, that's going to disable the syncing, and who knows? You know, they might take <clears throat> they might take some legal action because Apple is not afraid to go after people um, who mess with their intellectual property, their IP. So I, I definitely think something's going to something's going <clears> to <throat> happen again here this week. In other news, um, and this is a, another piece of follow up from last week, just like the Apple thing, um, the Kindle is, is still being talked about. Uh, they sort of apologized. Amazon did. And I'm quoting, on Thursday, as Amazon reported quarterly revenue that missed Wall Street's expectations and suffered a drop in share of price nearly 7%, Jeff Bezos, Amazon's CEO, was contrite. This is an apology for the way we previously handled illegally sold copies of 1984 and other novels on Kindle, he wrote on Amazon's site. Our solution, in quotes, to the problem was stupid, thoughtless, and painfully out of line with our principles. It is wholly self-inflicted, and we deserve the criticism we've received. We will use the scar tissue from this painful mistake to help make better decisions going forward, ones that match our mission, end quote. Wow. <clears throat> I say... I don't, I don't know. Um, th this kind of sounded sarcastic to me. Yeah, that's why I said, you know, they sort of apologized. Um, the fact that the word solution is in quotes, and, and I picture them as sarcastic air quotes, 
and he's you know he's basically saying that the books were illegal in the first place and his tone implies to me at least that he partly blames the people who bought the books <laughs> like it's your fault that Amazon I mean Amazon allowed illegal copies of books to be listed on the site which people then bought and they control the site and they should have been smart enough to stop I don't know <clears throat> I'm just not buying this as a, as a decent apology I get that they I, they had to say something. Uh, it was a huge PR mess for them. They they acted stupidly and they admitted that. Um, I, I just don't uh, I don't know that this fixed anything. I, I don't I it did not make me feel at ease, and I don't think I'm going to be buying a Kindle anytime soon. I, I've no, I've got no idea whatsoever how this is going to affect their 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 overall sales of of eBooks on the Kindle or the Kindle itself. I mean, you've got to. Hmm. Well, I'm just kind of frustrated on this. They've got in in the last month, you know, they've had the the Kindle cracking thing. There's the whole thing about the cases has been cracking on certain people, and they're refusing to um, replace them or warranty them. Then you've got the deleting books straight off your Kindle kind of flap. Uh, then you know the big one, the plus, uh, you know the super secret, ultra fine print download limits on books, um, where oh you buy a book and you don't actually know that you're only allowed to download it two times because that's in the ultra fine super secret print. What's next? You only get to read the book so many times before you can open it anymore. I mean, is that the next big thing that the publisher going to say? Well. You know, they're going to pay nine bucks for this book. They can download it three times. They can read it ten times. And then the book just goes away and you can't open it anymore. I, you know, that's the fear now. That This is what this is the, the, the situation that they have generated and they have fostered. So, uh, I, I don't know. Blah, I say. Blah! In other tech news, you know those Microsoft laptop commercials? The one where they show people looking for laptops, but they only you know they only have a thousand dollars to spend, so they need they need something under a grand that can do quote everything that they need them to do, you know quickly, fastly, all that kind of good stuff. Well, they're making a slight change to those commercials. A couple of weeks ago, I read a story about Apple uh, placing a call to Kevin Turner, who's a Microsoft executive, to let him know that you know Apple had revamped their laptop line and changed their prices but that the Microsoft commercials were still talking and quoting old, outdated prices. Um, Turner's response, and I quote, was to say, two weeks ago we got a call from the Apple legal department saying, hey, and this is a true story, saying, hey, you need to stop running those ads. We've lowered our prices. They took like $100 off or something. It was the greatest single phone call in the history that I've ever taken in the business. I did cartwheels down the hallway. At first I said, is this a joke? Who are you? not understanding you, you know what an opportunity this was. And so we're just going to keep running them and running them and running them, meaning the commercials. Well, he has since apparently had a talk with their legal department and realized that it is an opportunity, an opportunity for Apple to sue them for false advertising. So they're now altering the ads to remove any mention of actual pricing. Dumbass. Personally, I'd love to see someone create the next part of the commercial, the one that comes after they've bought their laptop. 
You know, they're standing in the parking lot. They're smiling. Yeah, we've got our laptop. See, um, what they don't show after that is when they take the laptop home, they hook it up to the Internet. And then uh, the guy in the family, whoever he is, the, the, the dad, the son, the brother, the uncle, whatever, you know, he sits down and he starts surfing for porn. Woohoo! And before you know it, the computer's all infected with all kinds of spyware and keylogging crap and pop-up windows and the whole thing starts really slowing down and then suddenly it just starts crashing and they can't figure out what's going on. You know, I want to see that part of the commercial. How come, how come we don't see that? Did, I, you know, the mortgage industry now has the truth in lending advertising laws, you know, where they, they can't bait and switch. They can't tell you part of the story or they can't show you a mortgage rate uh, without, you know, the, the extra, the actual APR. Um, why can't we see that with these Microsoft commercials, you know? Let's see the whole truth. Yeah. I know. <clears throat> I digress. In other Apple news, sort of, um, that wasn't really Apple news. They announced that iPhone and iPod Touch users have downloaded over 1.5 billion, billion with a B, applications from the App Store in its first year of operation. I think I talked about this briefly, but um, it's kind of cool. You know, uh, the only new app that I've downloaded this week is called Audio Boo. And that's again because I haven't been feeling very well. So I haven't done my usual poking around in the app store. But uh, I kept seeing things on Twitter about Audio Boo and Boo FM, so I decided to check this out. Uh, it's free, and it is essentially a voice recorder that will let you record three minutes of whatever you like. But then it publishes it to an account that you have set up on audioboo.fm. It's you know, I've been trying to figure out what the heck to call this or how to classify this, and, and I've come up with it. It's kind of like Twitter for podcasting. You have short three-minute bursts that you can push out straight from your iPhone to the web. I haven't really decided what to do with it yet or how best to use it, but audioboo.fm does have a couple of cool features, and I, I, I kind of want to talk about them a little bit here. Um... It can push your posts to Twitter, it can push them to Facebook, and there's a couple of other social platforms as well. So, you know, people get updated with whatever it is you have to say um, on audioboo.fm while using the networks that they're already used to, which is kind of cool. So it's got that integrated thing. The interface itself is pretty simple. You have three basic tabs. The first is like the public timeline on Twitter, I don't know if you've ever messed with that, uh, where you can see all the recent boos, as they're called. The second tab is your record publish button um, or record publish tab you know where you can actually record what you're doing you can um, save it or try again you know re-record it and again you get three minutes and then you can publish it um, and then the third is where you actually link up to your audioboo.fm account so it gets published to the right page so like I said you know I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do with this yet but it seems like micro podcasting if Twitter is micro blogging audioboo.fm is micro podcasting um so as i figure this out because it is kind of interesting to me and i'm trying to think of how to to utilize this creatively um i'll probably mention it again later but uh, that's it for now audio audio boo and uh, audioboo.fm 
in game news this week and sort of bridging movie news. Um, Warcraft, the movie. That's right, Warcraft, the movie. They've been uh, talking about this for a while now. I think it was first mentioned at a BlizzCon two or three years ago that they wanted to do this. I'm not sure. I, I just remember there was a lot of buzz about it on the servers. Well, progress has been made. <clears throat> and it seems like last year when I was at BlizzCon, people were asking about it, and I don't think they mentioned it at all. So, anyway. Uh, progress has been made. Sam Raimi, director of the Spider-Man movies, the Hercules and Xena TV shows, he's behind that, and uh, the recent Legend of the Seeker, which is based very loosely on the Sword of Truth books from Terry Goodkind, has signed on to direct the Warcraft movie. Um, here's a quote from Sam. At its core, Warcraft is a fantastic, action-packed story. I'm thrilled to work with such a dynamite production team to bring this project to the big screen. Chris Rovin's Atlantis Entertainment will be producing the film, and their last hit was a little-known film called The Dark Knight. Um, according to Variety, production will begin after the completion of Spider-Man 4, which Raimi is directing in 2010. Now... I do want to note that they did not say World of Warcraft, the movie. They are simply saying Warcraft, the movie. I have no idea what that's going to mean as far as storytelling. You know, uh, I've heard lots of rumors through the years about the script for this, and some have sounded better than others. I, I just don't know what's going to happen there. You know, um, I'm, I'm not sure what this thing is going to be. If if they're looking at doing anything like the books that have come out under the Warcraft moniker, I don't know that I'm going to be very happy with it. I, I, I haven't cared for those books at all. It's... I don't know. I, I think the, the Warcraft books would be better if they found, you know, a really epic fantasy author to write them. And hey, I, I'm available, Blizzard. I'd, 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 I'd do that for you. Anyway, I, I'll probably still go see the movie, but I may not kill myself to see it in the opening week, if you know what I mean. Uh, and and also, if it's a story focusing solely on the alliance and the horror of the bad guys, I don't know that I would watch that. You know. How long can anyone sit in a theater and watch a naked night elf woman dancing seductively on top of a mailbox? R really? Two hours? Four hours? At the most? Come on. In the sci-fi column this week, a couple of interesting things that I wanted to point out. First up, Khan! Yeah, I did that terribly. Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan has its own comic book, 
Uh, I think I talked about that a couple episodes back. But now, the fan favorite movie is getting a new soundtrack CD issued for 20 bucks. Uh, I almost said reissue. Because there was a soundtrack that's put out years and years ago, which you may have deduced from the lead-in music on this segment that I have. But this isn't really an, a reissue. It's a, it's a whole new compilation. They're doing the full score. You know, everything. They're adding in bits that have never made it, you know, into the original soundtrack um, from 1982. Wow. Uh, and, and, and that's cool. I'm glad that they're doing that. It's the, it's the full score. I'm definitely going to pick this up. As anyone who knows me knows, uh, this soundtrack is part of my iTunes library. And it probably always will be. Uh, the score is just fantastic. I love this music. I often find myself whistling bits of it to myself. Or, you know, not to myself. Which gets me looks. Not many people whistle, you know, music from movie scores, I guess. It just puts me back in the weird column. Anyway, um, it would be nice to have the full score, especially if they've done a digital remaster, which I always love. You know, some of the older stuff originally recorded for simple stereo, it just doesn't sound as good on today's equipment, you know? Uh, I point to a lot of the pop music from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and even 80s that come up in, in my own playlists, and they always sound very soft compared to more modern recordings of music. Um, a lot of that, you know, I've got a lot of Elton John because I just, I love the way he plays the piano and that stuff is always so soft and it's just kind of annoying. Anyway, anyway um, if you're interested in picking up the Rathacon 2 soundtrack, the new one, I have a link on it uh, up on the show notes. So, <clears throat> go check it out and um, like I said 20 bucks this second bit here spans both sci-fi and comics Stargate one of my favorite shows is coming to a comic book shop near you uh, I'm looking at a slice of sci-fi article here love slice of sci-fi Stargate SG-1 Atlantis and the upcoming Stargate universe are all going to be done as comics and they're going to be published by Dynamite Entertainment uh, the books for SG-1 and Atlantis are going to take a page from Buffy and Angel and be, you know, the next season, had the shows not been canceled by the channel formerly known as Sci-Fi, who likes to cancel stuff, um, especially really good stuff. SG-1 will get a season 11, and Atlantis will get a season 6. Stargate Universe is going to get something else, since it hasn't even had really a first season yet. It's just got trailers out, but the trailers look really, really sweet. Um, I suggest you check them out online. Uh, from the Slice of Sci-Fi article, I have this quote regarding the new comics and the new show, Stargate Universe. There's been a lot of moving parts in doing this, and I would imagine the success that the producers had from Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis really, really pushed them to work as hard as possible on the new series. Dynamite president Nick Barucci told CBR, Comic Book Resources, or something like that. Um, this series should be the topper. It has the most diverse cast of actors, people that most comic book fans and sci-fi fans have grown up with. Lou Diamond Phillips has been around for 20 years. You've got a who's who with actors who are up-and-comers and established peers, and that's going to make for a great di uh, dichotomy, and hopefully for a long-lasting television show. MGM is betting big on this, and to Dynamite, it looks like a great bet. Um, some of the other people... I've seen as a, what's her name? Um, she changed her name and became like full, 
Ming Ming Na. Anyway, she's been in a lot of stuff, and, and she changed her name at one point um, to become. I, I don't know if it's like her ancestral Chinese name or or how that worked, but um, she's always really good in this kind of stuff. So um, she's in it, and a, a lot of other people. No word yet on when these comics are going to be hitting the comic book stores, but it's definitely definitely worth watching for. Um, again, when when sci-fi goes to comics, it can be pretty big. There's no budgets. There's no restraints. The only thing that's stopping them is their imagination. So uh, sci-fi and comics is always a good thing. Check it out. Okay. I want to talk... Once again, about Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. I know, I know. I, I talked about it last week, but I've been sort of stewing on it. And, and I think I can be a little bit more articulate today and verbalize really what was going on inside my head, which I don't think I did a very good job of last week. So this is, this is sort of a review. There are spoilers ahead. So if you have not yet seen the movie and you want to, then I suggest you skip this part and come back later. I'll give you a second to walk away. Okay. So, are the other two of you still here? Um, anyway, here we go. I, I posted about this on the blog, and I talked about it last week. Um, but I, I sort of had an epiphany moment when talking to someone about this movie um, a couple days ago. She's a diehard fan. She absolutely loved the movie and had nothing negative to say. Just absolutely loved it. But... Because she is that diehard, you know, hardcore fan, I was able to dialogue a little bit with her and and kind of flesh out the points that were in my my brain and kind of make her and me think a little bit more and, and, and be able to verbalize it here today. This movie, Harry Potter and Half-Blood Prince, is, is the sixth in the series from J.K. Rowling, and it makes the very first time, it marks the very first time, excuse me, it marks the very first time that I have read the book prior to seeing the movie, which I, I've, I have freely admitted, you know, that may have colored my experience just a little bit, um, you know, having that knowledge beforehand. I, I, I do want to say I enjoyed the film. It is a good movie. I, I've enjoyed all the films, and this one, I mean, it was no different. It's just a good movie. But for the very first time, I had this voice in the back of my head going... Oh, they changed that. Oh, look. Oh, they changed this part. Oh, Luna's doing what Tonks did in the book. I remember that. That sort of thing, which which is distracting, you know? It was like I was enjoying the movie, but there was a part of me that was whispering that it could have been so much better if only they had done this, or if only they hadn't changed that. Which brings me to why I'm talking about the whole damn thing. Um, there are a couple of things from the book that I cannot fathom why they removed them from the movie. And, and that's what's bugging me. I guess the only thing would be budget. But let's talk about it. Um, first up, Dumbledore dies. And there's no real emotional impact for me in the movie when that happens. Um, when it happens in the book, it's, it's a shock. It's very emotional. Not so much in the movie. It, such a defining moment in the book. And it rips through Harry. It fuels his anger and his rage. 
in the movie, it just sort of happens, you know, like an afterthought. Um, one of the problems is that in the book, Harry is frozen in place by Dumbledore himself. He casts one of those little spells on him, and uh, he's already hidden under his invisibility cloak, and now he's frozen. He, he's completely immobilized. He can't move. He can't talk. He can't do anything because Dumbledore has him under this spell. So he's forced to stand there on the side and watch as as Malfoy and the Death Eaters, you know, they all come in, and Dumbledore kind of has a little conversation with them. And then, you know, here comes Snape, and Dumbledore pleads with him, and then Snape just kills him. It's a huge moment in the book. But in the movie, it felt like a throwaway moment. You know, it, it, it should have been what they were building to. But when they got to that moment that should have been a climax, it, it just wasn't there. Um, so that has bothered me. Second, and as, as if that wasn't a big enough bang for you... Um, in the book, right after that, we have a, a fairly decent battle inside of Hogwarts between the Death Eaters, the Order of the Phoenix, and Dumbledore's army. It happens quickly, yes, but it does happen. People are fighting for their lives. Uh, you know, Harry is worried about his friends, but he's also, you know, he's weaving through the carnage. He's fueled by his anger and his hatred for Snape. He's set on retribution and vengeance. And, you know, in the movie... Nothing happens. Harry, yeah, he chases after Snape, but he's also, you know, he wasn't really frozen by a spell. He was just kind of standing there. Um, the Death Eaters, they just sort of waltz through Hogwarts unchallenged. And the moment when Harry finally catches up to Snape, who just kind of slaps him down, it, it doesn't really have that emotional impact that it had in the book. Again, it's almost like it's an afterthought, not a climax. And it's, you know, that makes it very disappointing. Lastly, there's no funeral. In the book, the funeral, again, is that defining moment. It, it brings everyone together, which is probably why they didn't do it, because they couldn't afford the CGI. Um, but anyway, it, it gives everyone a moment to mourn, to be together. And it shows how many people either loved or just plain respected Dumbledore, because, you know, all these different people show up. Um, all the people from the past books. And it sets up the idea in Harry's mind that not only does he have to finish what Dumbledore started by destroying the Horcruxes to defeat Voldemort, but that he has to do it alone. And so he breaks up with Ginny and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, again, a very emotional moment, very poignant, you know, a, a, a climax. And in the movie, you get nothing. Not even a mention. They're just kind of standing in the astronomy tower chatting while Fox, the, the phoenix, flies around. Uh, so I get that it's a 600-page book and that it's impossible to put everything in. I, I do. But I have a problem with the choices that they're, they made on what stays and what goes. You know, okay, once I learned about Hermione's movement to free house elves everywhere... Um, and that none of that en ended up in any of the movies. I, it's like, okay, fine, sure, that's a subplot, I understand. It's it's kind of silly, and it could be some comic relief, but I get why you have to dump that. But Dumbledore's funeral and his death, and uh, these are the things you decide to take out and make less than what they were? I, I just don't get it. It's a really poor decision, a really poor choice, and that's the problem that I had with this movie, the end. That's what disappointed me. 
the lack of these pivotal moments from the book that really made the story, you know, and, 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 and climaxed the story. It's, 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 it was the reason you read through it and got to the end is to you see these things in here, you know, in the end. I have no clue why they would take them out other than budget, um, but it seems truly, truly stupid to me. So that's the problem that I had with Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, the movie. Okay, well, I warned you, this is a shorter podcast this week. Um, I am true to my word. Without falling into the TMI, too much information realm, I I had some health issues this week that benched me a little bit. So I I didn't get a lot done. I didn't have a lot of energy. Um, So definitely cutting this thing short today. I I did dig out a piece um, writing-wise uh, I, I had intended to post it on Thursday, but it didn't happen. Anyway, I, I, I wrote this a couple years ago. It's something that was meant to be part of the mythology of a role-playing game that some friends were working on. And it was sort of a, like a lost tale, part of the backstory. And as far as I know, that game never really got off the ground. So uh, I kind of, I've been thinking about that for a while now because it's, it's, it's a different piece. It's a different voice. It's a different style than I normally write. So I, I've been thinking about it, and I decided to, to dig it out. Um, it's just under 800 words, and I kind of started playing around with it. I, my intention was to post it again on, on the blog on Thursday under the Flash Fiction. Um, but I decided that it needed a little bit more work, and I just haven't had the energy to really work on it. Um, I tried. I, I tweaked it a, a few little bits here and there, uh, but I never got it to the point that I wanted it to be, so it didn't get posted. As I'm feeling better um, more and more, I'm hoping to get back on that and my other writing projects because I actually have two or three different flash fiction pieces that uh, I started um, for the blog and they just need to, you know finishing touches and, and of course I need to complete um, or continue working on the editing of Sam Kane, my novel um, and I'm hoping to, to be able to do all that this week um, or at least get back on there so as a side note um, also on the blog I did bring back Caption Fun Comics uh, these run every Friday and tend to be mm, captions or snarky comments made against innocent enough looking images that I troll the web for. So check that out. It may amuse. Um, and, and, and that's it. I think it's time to wrap this thing up and call the podcast done. I want to thank you once again for coming along for the ride. I seriously do appreciate it. I'll see you again next week when I hope to be feeling better and 100% again as I sniffle. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to check out the blog, All Things From My Brain, over at theblog.thenewuniverse.com. And if you are so inclined, you may also follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash atfmb. That's All Things From My Brain. I can see people coming there, being amused, because I am somewhat amusing and or entertaining on a daily basis. So, you know, come there. Find out if it's true. Things that interest me throughout the week usually get linked there. So if nothing else, that is a good reason to come and check me out. Twitter.com slash ATFMB. If you want to comment or ask any questions or suggest anything cool that I should be paying attention to, please visit the blog.thenewuniverse.com and comment on the episode notes. Or, or feel free to email me. You know, I've got a podcast at thenewuniverse.com set up. So that goes right into my inbox. Send me an email. Who knows? I might mention those questions or comments here in the podcast at some point. You, you don't know. It could happen. 
But of course, you have to comment or question first, so get on that. I, uh, I hope you all have a great week, and until we see each other again, have a great time. Thank you.